one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. This is Big Dave and Joe from South Florida bringing you Poker Action Line. And, uh, Joe, great to have you back. And uh, got a few things I saved for you this week. Uh, good, 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 good. I'm sorry I missed last week's show. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be moving into the fall here, bringing you as many good guests as we can. And a lot of stuff coming up here. Obviously, the big conversation around the country with sports betting. Who's going to have it next? Mississippi making some major strides now. Uh, we'll keep an eye on some of that stuff right now. We're just covering poker, but who knows? Maybe down the road we'll uh, get into some sports betting as well. Yeah, I've I've dabbled in that once or twice before. <laughs> uh, I was going to bring up a little bit later a uh, story out of New York. Uh, speaking of things in your past, you actually dealt some card games in New York uh, or New Jersey. I in New know. Jersey. I guess it was in, in New, New Jersey, Jersey, actually. But uh, there's always a lot of discussion about what's going on in New York, so I want to get to that a little bit later. There was an arrest up there uh, at a 1-2 poker game. Uh with a $200 buy-in and a $500 buy-in. So uh, they both were in the same building on two separate floors. But I want to talk about that a little bit later. Kind of interesting story. And uh, a few other things. Uh, we might get to the proposed boxing match between uh, Antonio Esfandiari and, Ke- and Kevin Hart. Re- oh, and Kevin Hart, really? The funny thing is... How much taller is as Antonio? Well, Kevin's short and uh, much smaller, probably about uh, six inches shorter, maybe five inches shorter. Yeah, he's and he's like five two, five forty pounds. Like but uh, uh, Kevin has some uh, experience boxing, and Antonio has none. So that uh, so he got thirty five to one odds. Who got Antonio, Antonio. got thirty five to yeah, one even odds? Even though he's the bigger man, uh, it's kind of funny uh, that. Uh, uh, but I give him no chance whatsoever. Yeah. You fight somebody that knows how to fight, yeah. you're in big trouble. I still remember Mike Tyson was the shorter guy to almost every single person <laughs> he faced, and he usually cleaned the floor with them after remember a round. Remember the Michael Spinks bout? It didn't even go a minute and a half. No, 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 no. I went to I went to Magic, which is now uh, Magic, Magic City. City, but Flagler Dog Track to watch that. And I went with my father-in-law, Dave. It was so funny. The fight was about to start, and a race was about to go off. My father-in-law says, hey, hurry up and go to the window and make this bet for me. When I came back, the, fight was over. the freaking fight was over. I had to watch it in replay all, all, because it was, what, 90 seconds? So that yeah, was so didn't funny. Even go 90 seconds. I came back, and, and everybody's screaming and shouting, and I'm going, what the hell did I miss? So. <laughs> anyway, a couple of big events uh, concluding uh, the uh, the first event of the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, we'll get to that in just a minute, uh, finished up just a little bit ago, and they had a three-way chop to finish things off. Uh, kind of an interesting chop, and I want to talk about that in just a second. Uh, also, Choctaw's P- uh, WPT event is underway, moving into uh, day two, and we'll take a look at that as well. So, um, The one I went to last week was the Isle Casino, uh, which had their uh, Florida State Poker Championship, and I stuck around for the final and watched that come in. Um, kind of a surprise, because uh, I, I guess we'll start there. Uh, Jonathan Jaffe, well-known player from uh, Longmeadow, Massachusetts, I was watching, and with about five players to go, he had half the chips in play. Wow. So it looked like an easy uh, roll to victory, but as we know in poker, things can happen. Yeah, that, that happens a lot. Things can change a little bit. Uh, you end up uh, going head-to-head with a fellow from Miami, 
uh, a German player who moved here a few years ago named Igor Merda. Okay. Which I'm sure he's taken some grief for over the years, uh, living <laughs> in Miami with the name of Merida. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even put that he's, together, Dave. Very he's good. not, he's Very not good. French, but uh, I guess you can, uh, when you're European, you can uh, take a lot of grief uh, from whatever country you're from. Anyway, uh, just joking about that. But he came back to win head-to-head against Jonathan Jaffe and wins 145K for first. Uh, Jaffe, 102,000. And Dmitry Perfilev from Boca. Uh, finished in third, 65K. Adam Adler from Fort Lauderdale was fourth, and Antonio Solorio was fifth. Steve Karp finished ninth. I, 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 think I was we just going to say, Steve Karp had made the – we knew he was in the final ten because he went to the to a table, but someone got eliminated and, and he, he made the final He actually got knocked nine. out after he lost, I think oh, it was back two out of three hands. Kings, right? He was had Kings? pocket kings. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if – I don't think it was back-to-back, but it was it was pretty close, and he lost a big chunk of his stack. Uh, in a three-way hand where he had kings, and then he ended up uh, losing, I think, kings to aces, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, tough break for Steve, a good friend of ours. And uh, I saw Steve over at uh, Seminole Hard Rock yesterday playing in the tournament. Eventually he got knocked out in that one. But uh, they played down to the final three, and they made a chop. Uh, and uh, we'll take a look at that in just a bit. Uh, Isle Casino, they had uh, a couple of guests out there. did an interview with... Uh, with Ken Lambert that I played last week, uh, he had two guests uh, there, and they had an autograph signing. Vanessa Russo, who went back to law school and was take, took the bar exam the day before the tournament. Oh, wow. So she didn't know, obviously, if she passed it yet, but she, uh, she was there and uh, did the autograph signing. The other was Scotty Wynn. Uh, also, Johnny Chan showed up, who uh, Ken had invited. So pretty good marquee value there for a great tournament. And, uh, of course, a lot of the big Florida names. But uh, Merida comes out on top to uh, win that one. So uh, his total earnings, by the way, going into the tournament were uh, 97000 total. And he wow. won 145 k for first. Yeah, well, th- you're talking about his tournament earnings that, that we tournament know. Tournament earnings exactly, that, we, that, right. are on, that are online yep. on uh, so, you know, well, Hand and Mob and all Good that. for him. He more than doubled it. So a great tournament there. I had fun uh, talking. I like Ken Lambert a lot. I think he's doing a great job and a super nice guy. And uh, sometime we'll have him in the studio and talk uh, lots of stories. Oh, that'd uh, be great. Scotty, uh, or I'm sorry, Stewie Younger stories and, uh, you know, from the days back in the early days with uh, T.J. Cloutier and, and Doyle Brunson and all those guys. To our young listeners out there, you know, uh, I know that for some of you people it seems like poker was the only started after the moneymaker year and, and Internet poker came in. But, uh, you know, we've had some great players and some great poker characters. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with Ken Lambert being around and having seen these guys and been around them – let me tell you, if we can get them in studio or on the phone, yeah, we'll day, try that sometime. That's gonna be that's gonna be a great great day to listen to the show. Here's your winner of uh, event number one gets the official winner. I show you this guy with the ZZ Top beard. Yeah, I was just gonna say, was he in uh, what was that? What were those guys with uh, the Duck uh, Duck? Uh, oh, Duck uh, Dynasty. Duck Dynasty. There you yeah, go. Yeah, he could fit right in there. I'll yeah. tell you what. <laughs> uh, he is the official winner of that one. Uh, thirty-five thousand for first three thousand forty-seven players. I guess was the total here. And the buy-in was how much? Buy-in was. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's that. This is not the event number one. This is event number six. The one that with Chris was in. Ah, uh, okay. Kind of Chris Bolick was in that. Chris right? Bolick finished third. 
the event number one, let me guess, 3,047. Let me see what that uh, looked like as far. Oh, they're still playing that one. There's three left. Matt Edge. Uh, John Miller, Jay Romano. Okay, they did have, they did just shop that. I'm mixing the two up, but uh, uh, Jay Romano got uh, had. Listen to this. This is was kind of weird because uh, Edge had 25 million, 25.2 million chips. John Miller had 23.3 million okay. chips. Okay. Jay Romano had 12 million six hundred thousand. So and they did a three-way chop. They did a three-way chop, okay. according to uh, I, I guess they did some kind of ICBM. I see. I see. I made that mistake again. Somebody may have used that missile on them. <laughs> but I wanted to show you what the original price uh, was. Okay, the original price is two hundred sixty-three thousand, one hundred seventy-one thousand. And one hundred twelve thousand were the top okay, three prizes. Okay. Well, listen. Let, let let me let me see before you tell me what the breakdown was. Okay. Before you tell me what the breakdown was. What it me, should let be. Me, you're gonna let get let me see. Gonna, I'm gonna. I bet you I get real close. You're to gonna it. do an ICB go ahead, missile. Go, go ahead. Tell me. Tell me what. Um, you know. Um, well, you want to guess? Well, first I need to get the total amount of cash okay. amount. Total cash was two sixty three. Two sixty three. Second, 171. 171. Third, 112. 546,000. Now, what were the chip counts? Chip counts were 25.2, 23.3. Plus 23.3. <laughs> and 12.6. 12.6. Okay. Well, okay. let me just give you what wait, they wait. paid. You tell me how far off that is. Divided. That guy should have gotten somewhere somewhere around because of the, the, the prize money. Two hundred and twenty-three thousand for first. Okay, and then the uh, second guy would probably have gotten um, that one. Should have been maybe two ten. Uh, yeah, well, th- something like that, and roughly about that amount. Okay, thirty-eight percent. Thirty-eight percent of okay. of five hundred and forty-six. And that 000. only leaves that only leaves twenty uh, percent. Right. So you're looking at uh, right about twenty percent of that. So that should have been about a hundred and nine, a hundred and ten for uh, Jay Romano. Well, actually, the prize money was one twelve. So he here's here's what they they settled for. Well, that, yeah, because he's not going to take less than what's available right. for third. That's the what chip I'm saying. Leader the took chip. took one ninety six, hundred ninety six thousand. Wait, wait. Okay. Second place took one ninety one. Okay. And Romano got one fifty nine. So he had a great deal. Oh, right? that was a tremendous deal for him. So that he didn't seem like the kind of guy deal. that would like to chop, but he. Uh, well, he's two to one he against both. He's almost two to one against both of his opponents. Yeah. He's almost two to one against both of his opponents. So that's and you're and you're getting, you know, forty thousand dollars more, almost fifty thousand dollars more in value from third place. Right. Well, listen, I did, you know, I, even doing the show live, I, that was a little tedious. So uh, we could start the show over or we could just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll keep going. Uh, the other tournament, our friend Chris Bolick was the chip leader with about five players left. And they got down near the end. He ended up losing the lead and uh, ends up getting knocked out in third place, uh, making 13000 for that one. Daniel Nielsen, uh, the uh, Duck Dynasty uh, lookalike. Wins 35,000. Joshua Hood finished third. Uh, Phil Wee also made that final table and finished in sixth. But uh, Chris had a decent lead, and it let let it slip away, but that's the way things happen sometimes. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's exactly what happens sometimes. And, 
you know, I was just doing the math again to make sure. Yeah, second place, if you had done it on the ICM, the way the percentage of the chips that you hold to the money that's would have been pulled, quite different. 207, 223. So you're looking at, you know, uh, there's no way Jay gets 159. Yeah, he because got a nice the, deal. The first guy's, the the guy's giving up $38,000. But second place was going to pick up almost third. You know, the, it, it, it really didn't matter. You know, that was a great deal. That's all that could be said. That was okay. a great deal for Jay. Uh, anyway, uh, they are playing along there. They got about seven. They're into like seven events already for the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open. They uh, started off with a few uh, overlapping events in the beginning. Uh, the uh, Omaha 8 uh, tournament is over. The horse tournament, uh, the seniors uh, finishing up down to the final 19 players. And uh, we'll follow all of that till we get to the main event, which starts on the 10th of uh, next week. Uh, or later this week, I should say Thursday, we'll get underway. So we'll follow that. And next week's show we'll have, uh, well, actually it won't be completed, but it'll be down to the final table. So we'll give you some results there as well. I'm going to have to find out who wins after in two weeks. Uh, well, later on, I'm mean, I saying, because if it's not over by next Monday, <laughs> I won't be in town next no, that's Monday. Right. Uh, there is a $1 million guaranteed prize pool also in Choctaw for the WPT event, $3,500 tournament. Their number's way down this year, and I think they expected that uh, because uh, they made a little bit lower guarantee than they normally would. Uh, because the Seminole Hard Rock uh, tournament getting underway at the same time as their final table out there. So it did have an effect on them, and they are down quite a bit this year. I guess 775 entries for that one. So uh, Did they list the numbers that they had from the year before by any chance? or no? uh, I could probably find it here somewhere. I, okay. I think it was over 1,100, though. Oof, that's, a huge, that's a huge number then to be down. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, definitely affected that. And that's something people are going to have to deal with. Yeah, 1175 last year. Okay. Uh, they had a nearly $4 million prize pool. This year they came back and know, knew they were going to get cut into and only had a million dollar guarantee. Guaranteed. But, but they hit over a million dollars. They did over $2 million, right? Right. 700 at, you know, times that, that amount gives you a little over $2 million, but... Wow, that that okay, is. Okay, let me correct. Drop. Let me correct something. Eleven seventy-five was was a couple of years ago. The first year of that tournament. Last year was nine twenty-four. And but they still over seven, three million. So yeah, they still lost about twenty percent. Twenty percent of the field from last year, and you're looking at a, at more than twenty percent from the year before that. Exactly. So that, that's not a good trend that you want to keep following, and I don't know if that's a scheduling situation that they they have to do to change. I mean, it's it's. WPT, right? WPT, right. and this is this was just the Hard Rock doing their, their own, own their own little tournament. Right, that's that's a little sh you know. Wow. Okay. Uh, just to let you know, going into day two, Lou Garza was the chip leader, and uh, Art Papiason in fifth place. Art, the w current reigning WPT Player of the Year. Tony Roberto from uh, South Florida in the top ten uh, in eighth place, headed into round two, day two. Anyway. Uh, that'll give you a little update of what's happening now. I want to look back a little bit at the uh, big one for one drop and spend a little time looking at that uh, double knockout hand, which continues to uh, amaze and excite me and uh, is one of the great hands I've seen in a long time, especially since, you know, the prize money involved. It's after they got down to the final five players, all cashing. The min cash was $2 million. So uh, you were doubling place. your, your – well, just a little less than doubling your buy-in. Right. Uh, 2.84 million for fourth, 
four million, six million, ten million up top. So uh, two players getting knocked out on the hand. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but I looked at it a little closer, and I want to get Joe's thoughts about whether he thought Rick Solomon exposed his hand, why he would do that, uh, and if the punishment fit the crime. Anyway. So. Uh, we'll come back and talk about that when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be back with you. Big Dave and Joe here from South Florida. And we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place. And then they act so surprised when I find them, but I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, Poker Action Line here. And uh, a couple of weeks ago we did talk about this hand that I mentioned going into the break, and I want to look at it a little bit closer. Uh, because of the money involved is obviously something very exciting, but... Uh, you also have a lot of big-name players here, and uh, I was looking at an article, maybe we'll get into that a little bit later as well, is that Helmuth uh, obviously just coming off a, a, a situation where uh, he was not penalized very much for uh, speaking out of turn in a three-way hand and uh, causing one player to decide to make the call when he may not have exactly. uh, and eliminated a firefighter. This was in the main event, by the way, and he was not even penalized, uh, much less uh, whatever happened, uh, you know, afterwards. But there was also another uh, occasion in the tournament where uh, Maurice Hawkins, who definitely can get under people's skin, and we've talked oh, about that's, that before. That's, that's his M.O. There was a European player who uh, used the N-word, and we talked about how uh, they came over. I think they penalized him two orbits, maybe. Something like that to originally. And it was toward the end of the night. And then they came back the next day as they sat down to play again. And Jack Effel walked up to him and told him he was disqualified. 
I I I think I would have disqualified him right from the get go. Um, you know, by using that language on the table, that's just something you can't allow. And and you know, I think they just did the safe thing. But what would have happened if that thing had happened earlier in the in the tournament? You know, and um, he had, let's say, you know, one or two levels into the tournament, and then all of a sudden. They give them two orbits, and then four hours later they decide, oh, you know what, you know, we're we're, you know, throwing you out of the tournament. You're disqualified right. from the tournament. Chips would have changed hands all over the place. Well, that's what I, I feel. I feel like the decision was made. Why come back and change it the next day? I don't know if that was the right. Why? Way to because it. they since they more, knew that it. they were going to catch way too much heat, and and well, guess what. You have to make an example of somebody. It's a political thing in today's uh, climate, but, uh, you know, I think the other thing about that is there was a real misunderstanding of what context it was used in. Not that the word is ever right to use, but uh, supposedly Maurice said that the guy said, shut up, N. Right. Instead of what other players said later was that he actually said, what's up, N. And you know, made a kind of a, a and in in either in either, either reference, right. it's not correct. No, it's not right. You should I, I not be using you should but, not be using that word yeah. for anything. And we're not just talking now that everything is so PC, but that's just a word that's you know never been right to be used. Well, and especially it's inflammatory, in the show, and especially it can make things escalate. in the the showcase tournament of the world. Right. Plain and simple, you've got bigger tournaments where buy-ins are higher than that. But, you know, the holy grail of, of poker right now for tournaments is to win the main event in Vegas. Right. Okay? And you can't allow, you can't allow some ignorant person, you know, some, some you know, listen, if you're using that word, you, to me, you're, part, you're not part racist, you're racist. Plain and simple. Because if that term is going to get into your, into your vocabulary. Unless you're black out and you it, use it. At, well, well like exactly. <laughs> if it was, if, now, that would have been interesting if it had been another black player saying it to another black player. But even in that t- context, I don't think they were going to allow that. You know, that, that that's we all know this for years now, Dave, especially at our age. You just can't say that word. And to say it. You know, on the biggest stage of, of poker, you know, the the biggest tournament there there is in the whole world there that are, people come from all over the world to play in, you just can't accept that. And guess what? If it slipped out, you know, or he didn't intend it the way that most people looked at it, I, I'm not even looking at intent. I'm just looking at, you, you know, you, you wanted to use the word, you used it, now you got to pay the consequences for it. And guess what? I, I agree 100%. I, I just, the only problem was they should have pulled him off, said, we're, we're contemplating your penalty, and it may incur anything from a two orbits to a disqualification. Okay? Now, those two orbits, did that take him into the next day, Dave? Because I don't recall. I don't remember if he, I, I, I think, so. I, if I'm not mistaken, so. it was very close to the end of the day. Yeah. And those two orbits may have well, taken, him, possible. You may might, have you taken him to the end of the day. And I don't see any harm in that, but I would have informed the table that management was looking at this decision very seriously and contemplating giving them, uh, you know, a death penalty, and so to speak, of you're eliminated, you've lost your $10,000 buy-in, you've lost your chips, and on top of that, you're no longer allowed to, you know, play in any of our tournaments, uh, you know, that, that, that we sponsor. So th- the correct decision, in my opinion, was made. 
whether it was made in the timely fashion that everybody would have wanted, you know, give them a little bit of a break. They're in the main event, you know, they're they're they were hearing different comments, you know, I guess making sure that if you're going to disqualify somebody, you've got all the information that you're getting everybody's you know, uh, comment on it at the table, what your dealer heard, if there was another supervisor within the area that heard it, so that you have all that information to make that decision to disqualify this player. Right. Well, there was an article, and uh, I don't have it in front of me right now, but, uh, uh, oh, well, here it is right now. I'll find it. It was called, Two Different Floor Rulings Demonstrate Problems with Tournament Directors' Arbitrary Decisions. And it was an article by Earl Burton where he said, because Phil is famous and has a big reputation, he was not penalized. penalized which, but I, which I agree with. The other player, uh, European player, was, not, was uh, eliminated from the tournament. Uh, and, uh, and Phil knows what he did. Right. Because he apologized. Then didn't he offer to pay for the man's uh, next tournament next year or something like that? He came back with that. Listen, if you know that you're in the right, you're not going to go through that. No matter what the you know the general uh, <laughs> consensus is as to how it appeared, okay, he knows he made a mistake, and the floor man made a mistake by not giving him whatever penalties he should have incurred. Okay, now we go to another decision, and that is what happens after a card is exposed by Rick Solomon in the big one for one drop. Now this is such a huge tournament that. Any kind of uh, disqualification or anything probably is not even in the, well, in the, in the uh, realm of possibility. It, it didn't warrant a disqualification. You know, the scenario that, that, that we're going to get into right now, in my opinion, does not warrant a disqualification of the player. It warrants a penalty and a warning that if it happens again, you will be disqualified. Okay, well, just to set it up for you, uh, I told him, talked about the prize money earlier, but uh, where they're in the money now. First player getting uh, eliminated would get win two million. The second place, uh, second player knocked out would get two point eight four million, and up to four for third. So the hand it was a three-way hand: Fader Holtz holding pocket tens, Rick Solomon holding ace king, offsuit, and uh, uh, Byron Coverman holding ace five. Of clubs, he had just eight million chips, while the other two were right around twenty-five million chips. Coverman goes all in. Fader next to act calls. Just makes the call. Solomon uh, picks up his cards, and you got a good look at that. He picked up the cards real funny, you know. And I, I think he got nervous because he saw a very, what he thought was an extremely. I don't think there's any hand. way you could say that that was accidental. Well, the one way he picked it up, yeah, I, you know, because I, I think he was looking to fold that hand because he didn't think he'd be calling and saw something and said, oh, sh- you know, <laughs> oh, sugar, you know, uh, using a different word and, and put the card down. Now, then later when he picks him up again as he's going all in, that's when this occurred. Okay, Fader says, I think I, sold, I saw the card. And Jack Effel, who was standing at the table, very easy for him to see, says it was an ace, turn it over. So he's calling him to put a place up. But he had the ace face up in the air and even tilted down a almost little bit. Like, almost so, so, our, so our listeners get this right. He had it almost like a dealer was ready to pitch the card. Yeah. Okay? So the card was was you know perpendicular to the table. When they slow it down, and the one thing that we were looking at before the start of our show tonight... 
you, I told you, I said, I know it's a red ace. I just couldn't see if it was a heart or a diamond. As we know now, it, it was a heart. Um, and I'll be honest with you, what Jack Effel did, I've done many times where in tournaments where I've seen somebody pick up their cards and not expose it to the table, but expose it to one or two players that are sitting on the side. And not everyone is going to give you their, their – and with both of them having cards, I've, I have said, I saw that card. I don't know if these guys saw it, but if I saw it, there's a really good chance these guys saw it. Well, I'll tell you how obvious it was. And I told them that he had to turn it over and play with one, you know, with one card hidden only. The camera from the side of the table, you could see it was an, a red exactly. ace, as you mentioned exactly. to me. But, you know, not even looking down at much of an angle at all, you could see it. So I know the other players also. Exactly. Saw now the question is, was it Why would in, he do that? Was it intentionally done? Was it nerves? Because of the amount of money he's laid you're, in the you're tournament? You're really giving him a free pass. I'm not giving him a free pass. I'm just saying, now, granted, I don't know this gentleman's history, and we spoke about this on well, the I first break. I think he's break, a scumbag anyway. And, so, right, uh, you, you, you don't that's going to color you my don't opinion. Hold him, you don't hold him in the highest esteem. <laughs> now, now, again, based on, as a manager, and Jack Effel you got to know, your, you know, again, w- there are certain players that played at my place, Dave, just, just to preference this a little bit, that I knew were angle shooters. And I always instructed my, my supervisors, when this guy gets involved, you know, in a, in, a, in a situation, you know, I hate to say this, but I always went into it looking at it because this is like the guy, boy, who cried wolf all the time, you know. Uh, he was taking angle shots now. This wasn't an angle shot for this. I think if he did it on purpose, we all know why. He wanted to isolate himself against the much shorter stack. So even if he lost, he'd still be alive. Okay, and trying to get uh, trying to, to get Fader to, to let ten ten million in chips go, and which much at that more point likely, was more than thirty five, thirty six percent of his stack. And obviously, if Fader knows that one of the cards is an ace, it's much more likely. Right, to and then all the analysis came into all of this. Because the short stack had almost nine million in chips, Fader was sitting with about twenty-eight million, and this gentleman had about twenty-six, twenty-seven million in chips. Okay, and you know, so now Fader had called nine million in chips. Okay, plus what you know, whatever the ante was for that round there. So he's got about a third of his stack in, into this middle now. This guy already knows Fader has to have a good hand, but maybe not good enough that he was willing to try to isolate himself. And Helmuth and some of the other commentators were saying Fader may have, should have just gone all in in the beginning. Um, this guy sees Ace King suited. You know, again, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere five-handed. All right, and shows the Ace. And again, it was so awkwardly done. It was so awkwardly done that it's almost hard for me to believe. You know, he did it so so badly and so well in that sense that I don't know if it was nerves taking his taking his you know taking over him saying I'm going to tr- you know isolate with Ace King five handed. I've got to have at worst I'm in a race and maybe I could get a guy with a small pair out of the pot. Uh, knowing his reputation, some of the things you've told me that this guy's not you know the 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 straight shooter that you'd like him to be. Yeah, you know, uh, first of all. At that point in the tournament, if he makes it through this hand, he's going to be facing a penalty. And to me, and for me, and I don't know if the, the 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 rules allow it, but I would have given him. This is your first and only warning. 
that if this happens again, you will be disqualified. By the way, uh, Doug Polk does a great video. It's on YouTube. You can check it out. Just type in uh, Doug Polk double knockout, and you can uh, look at it for yourself. And they actually repeat several times uh, the exposure of the card and a pretty good look at it. Not to mention, you didn't hear this, but in the beginning, uh, Polk gives a little background on uh, run-ins he's had with Rick Solomon and and uh, certainly not a friend of his in any way, but he doesn't put him on the spot completely and accuse him of doing it unintentionally. Just like I did, you know, in my sense. I'm not but saying I'm not buying that. that. I know you're not buying that. There's some people but again, uh, big situations. I mean, a lot of money. Uh, this guy knows that if he wins that hand, one, uh, Braverman is knocked out. Two, Fader is about to go out next because he's, he was going to be left with like about a million in chips, million and a half in chips, and the blinds, I believe, were at three hundred, six hundred thousand. So, you know, he was going to. No, have I to, never noticed that. By yeah, the way. it was three hundred, <laughs> six hundred thousand. Okay. Does that surprise you? No, no that's, like I said, these are the things I look for. And you know, and again, I thought it was a very good move. Uh, not, not to say a very good move that it was an intentional move. I have had players now. Granted, he's playing in this thing here, so either he put up his his one point one million, or somebody helped him put it up. So. He's a good enough player that he should not be making this damn mistake coming down down to the final five players. But I don't know his history. Has he has he been in this position before where he could win $10 million? Because he wins that Solomon hand. Solomon you're talking about? Yeah, the, he wins that hand, Dave. He's gone pretty deep he's, in a couple of big ones, he's, I think. He's the chip leader. Yeah. And he's got more than two to one chips on the next person, which would have which was which was Bonomo, I think, at that point. Well, everybody's seen this hand, so it's not it's not a spoiler. But uh, as it turns out, uh, Fader uh, took forever. There, there was Ace King was on the flop, so all of a sudden <laughs> this guy looks like he's nearly unbeatable. But uh, the ten hit but, on the uh, Helmuth makes a joke and says, you know, uh, veteran poker players are going to ask for a for a queen or a jack on the turn to make things interesting, and the queen does come on yeah, the turn. Yeah, so he Pretty had crazy. a ten or a jack to get the straight or the trips on the so, turn. So yeah, he's got he's got six outs. He's got the four jacks and the two tens. Two tens. And uh, Fader's Polk made, actually Fader's stops the tape. Fader's made a career of hitting yes. hands like this. He Polk has. actually stops the tape and says, "Now you know what's you you could just guess what's going to come out, can't you? Yeah. And a ten on the river." And in my estimation, that was true justice. Well, yes, especially because you have no doubt in your mind that that was done on purpose. That was an angle shot by Solomon to, to, to you know, isolate himself against Braverman once Fader already had put in almost $9 million in chips. So if it was a shot, yeah, that, that was the ultimate justice done right there. The poker gods corrected that that uh you know that that slick little And, move and let me his. tell you, the and balls it would take to do that, to angle shoot in a 1 million dollar tournament on national television. 1 million dollar buying tournament on national well, television. I don't think it's so much the balls, it's the problem is Who's going to want to play with you after that? I don't know if he's a high cash game player. He is. But if you're a high cash game player and people start to think that you are a, you know, an angle shooter, you know, consistent angle shooter, I I don't know. I don't know why anybody would want to give him a game. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no reason for anybody to give this man a game and I just like I said, um Doug Polk did it. I, you know, I'm not saying it's 50-50, but the way he did it, 
either he did it so damn well that, that he's not convincing me that it was an angle shoot because if he had just turned it over and, oh, you know, and acted stupid, but he was halfway and then he went back like this. Again, I, I, I don't know what kind of an actor he is, what, you know, if he's capable of doing this at this point of the tournament. Well, I invite people to check it out uh, and see what you think. Because uh, certainly a very unique uh, look at that as well. Uh, by the way, Doug Polk's stuff is great anyway. I mean, he has a he does an 18-minute uh, video on the, the seven high hand between Tony Miles and John Sin. Uh, some really nice Which stuff I had, on, on his spot. That was the hand where there was seven, uh, where he made the call with a seven. Uh, yeah, seven high. Yeah. Seven high, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's take another break on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about. We'll update a couple of the events, including uh, Choctaw and a few other things, and uh, a couple other things I want to discuss with Joe here as we run down the stretch. But you're listening to Poker Action Line. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Uh, drop us a line at uh, uh, Big Dave Lem at Hotmail dot com, or else have Dave Big Lem at Gmail dot com. So either one of those, you can send me a note. Uh, we're putting together a tournament for our sponsor. Uh, Place Your Chips Caribbean. We'll have more information about that in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we hope you'll tune in and find out exactly how you can get involved in that. Chance to win some money here in a tournament uh, as things are still kind of in the beta testing uh, stage to get things kicked off. And we hope you'll uh, listen in and join us for a tournament action. Uh, both Joe and I will both uh, be playing, and we uh, we hope to let you know exactly where you can join our table and and play poker with us as well. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, 
NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO Radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez. Uh, update you a little bit on Choctaw. Heading into day three, which is today. Uh, we'll give you an update. A little bit of a time difference here between us and them. So they're just underway, really, on day three. But uh, Tony Roberto is uh, was the chip leader headed into day 3.7 million. Men the Master, who we uh, wow. talked about. Did we talk about? I talked about that last week uh, when you were gone. Uh, some real crazy stuff out in uh, tournament he played. He actually finished third in a WPT event. Uh, but you haven't he, heard his name in a while. He did some crazy stuff, including falling asleep at the table, spitting out a beer onto the table, and some crazy stuff. But he's back in it again, second place. Uh, and uh, Viet Vo, who led after uh, day one, at least uh, his his portion of day one. Uh, is still in the top ten, but Roberto has the chip lead by a pretty good amount over uh, Men the Master. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that as we move into day three. I'll update uh, in the last segment on uh, where they stand right now. But uh, another good tournament out there, and uh, and again, uh, they're cut they, into a little bit by uh, the Hard Rock, uh, pretty much overlapping them a little bit. Yeah, because the Hard Rock's been holding this tournament now for the last few years on their own, right, at this yeah. time of the time of the year. So... They may have to get together with the WPT and see if they can schedule this a week earlier or a week later, <clears throat> try to get those numbers back up to what they were. Right, exactly. They've been a loyal participant with the WPT for as many years as I can remember. The uh, other tournaments going on over at the Seminole Hard Rock, and uh, as they play down, let's see if I can get you an update on the uh, on the seniors. Uh, last we had uh, Paul Bolzano, uh, one of the chip leaders, uh, They're just coming back from dinner. 25 players left out of 147. Uh, Oriel McCalla, second. Ozzy Amor in third. And Eugene Nussbaum in fourth, currently, uh, as they play through here. Dan Highmiller still alive. David Levy and Nancy Birnbaum all alive still in that seniors tournament. The final 19 players finishing in the money, but they are inside of that now. Well, they're not there. 25, so uh, still a cutoff there to be held. Uh, Daniel Nielsen wins the... Uh, the Purple Chip Bounty, 1650 buy-in. Our friend Chris Bolick finishes in third place in that one. And uh, three-way chop in the event number one. Uh, and a uh, uh, pretty good tournament there. Uh, Matt Edge gets the trophy, uh, but took a lot less money for it. Pretty expensive trophy, actually, as it turns out. Well, listen, when you look at it, when you look at it, he got twenty, almost 30000 more than what second place was playing. You know, and you look at this before the chop, right? Be, uh, no, I'm just saying, right before the chop, yeah, twenty five thousand, okay, right, one seventy one, and he got one ninety eight, one ninety six, one ninety six, yeah. So he got twenty five thousand dollars more. You know, you're looking at this going, man, I got more money than second place. There's no guarantee. He didn't have a big chip lead on even on the second place guy. They were, you know, at that point twenty five point two and twenty three point three. You're, you know, it's a flip. It's a flip right there, you know. And then you've got Jay Romano, who sits there, and you run, you lose that flip to this middle guy, and all of a sudden you went from 196 to 112. It's a great payday, 112, but you're kicking yourself all the way home, saying, "Damn, I could have had another 80,000," uh, you know, guaranteed. And 
Again, if you're not a professional poker player, that's a lot of money, Dave. Let's go back to the one drop. Just one more point that we didn't cover, and that is what would have happened if the 10 did not come on the river? It was a 6 or something instead. And uh, it's a double knockout, but not the way it turned out. It would be... Well, it wouldn't be a double knockout it, because it Fedor would have had, had about a million chips But he would have had like barely that. enough to survive right. around. Right, okay. But okay. if uh, Rick Solomon wins the hand, what happens? Well, I would imagine he would have been penalized. I don't know how many orbits. I don't know what, because, you know, the, the book doesn't state. Uh, I'm sure the, what the penalty the WSO, should be. I'm sure the WSOP has it within their own guidelines, within their own house rules as to what the penalty would have been there. Now... I don't, you know, listen, I always tried to follow the TDA, you know, rules um, for tournaments that I ran. I didn't run that many, you know, when I was there. But when we ran them, we tried to follow the TDA rules. But there's something, you know, for the integrity of the game, for the rightness of the game. You know when a novice player makes a mistake as opposed to a professional player who quote, will scream and cry that it was a mistake, but we, we all know, like in this particular case, you believe it to be an angle shot by Solomon. Right. Okay. Uh, I have a feeling it falls somewhere in between. Uh, I think he might have been wanting to show it, then I don't want to show it now. You know, I don't want to get penalized. Whatever. I'm giving him more of a benefit of the doubt than you, you You're going to be he, running for political then, office here he believe, somewhere along oh, the line? Oh, trust me. You know, that's not how I am. Because <laughs> this is what I would have done. And I don't know if Jack Effel would had the authority if they have it written within their rules. But, you know, I always say management, does, you know, reserves the right for final decisions and everything else. If I believed it to be an angle shot, I would have not only penalized him the two rounds or three rounds, whatever whatever the situation called for, whatever the penalty called for that particular uh, infraction, but I also would have told him next time it's a disqualification, you know, or it's an hour sitting out, you know, because of you taking an angle shot. I don't like, I, I hated angle shooters in my place. So, and I really didn't want to develop a reputation of allowing angle shooters. I want to let them know that, hey, this isn't going to be tolerated here. Now, if if Jack Effel thought this guy did this on purpose, that that was an sh- angle shoot, well, there's no penalty you can impose on the man because he got knocked out of the damn tournament. That was his penalty for right. for making his move. But guess what? I pull him aside and tell him, this is your warning. The next time you play in a tournament in my house, in my casino, in my poker room, if you in my pull, series, if you play, if you pull this move, I will disqualify you. In my Vegas hotel, just off the strip. That's you know, hey, you know. So if you come back to play in the WSOP, you understand the next time you're playing in a WSOP event here next year, you know. Uh, I don't know if he entered. Well, that the one drop was the last one, right, of the, of the yeah, tournament. Yeah, pretty much. So. If you come back next year and you pull a move like this again, you know that I that I have absolutely no doubt in my mind was was an angle shot, you know, to try to, to isolate yourself. I'm going. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to disqualify you. And I would make sure. And I would make sure. And I would make sure that I had you know language put in because they'll have time to put language in if they believe that to be true. And I know you can catch a lot of grief for it because it's it's now going to be, is it personal? You know, that, that's where everything comes in. I remember my boss used to say, well, Joe, you know, you're making the decisions. I go, well, I believe myself to be 
fair. I'm not going to judge against somebody who I know is a novice player as opposed to someone who I know is making angle shots. Besides being a manager, I was a player for many, you know, for, for, for most of my life, you know, since I was a teenager. I kind of have an idea, and once you see these people consistently in a local poker room like I did, you know, you know right away who the who the low lifes are, you know, who the scumbags are, and and who the nice people are. And like I said, I try to protect my room from those low lifes, and and I was very harsh on them. Now I wouldn't get to that point until they proved it to me over over a certain amount of time. Okay, let's let's get to one other thing here. Uh, this is uh, online, and I know you don't play on Poker Stars, so uh, you probably haven't seen this, but they've been talking about it upcoming for a long time. First, they had a game called Split Hold'em with uh, two five-card community lines. Uh, okay. Uh, didn't last too long. Uh, then they tried one called um, Showtime Hold'em, which involved having to show your cards. They tried this for a very short period of time, didn't work, and they got rid of it right away. The double board didn't work? The double board went double. for a while. It may still be on there, but it's not really too popular. I played it. It was fun. I've, well, I've played it in private games when the game has Kind of like run it twice, almost. A little it, bit it is run it twice now. now um, Except that it's the whole five-card community board, not just the last three. Well, right. It's all five, but here's the difference. When you run it twice, you have two different pots. Half the pot... You know, if someone wins on the top, someone on the bottom, you know, that's how they play that. Okay, they have two. It's like you're splitting the pot into two and having two different hands. We used to play double flop uh, hold'em, as we called it. Um, But the difference was whoever had the best hand between the two boards, like what was the nuts on the top may not be what what the nuts was on the bottom. So, you know, so whoever had the best hand would win that, would win that. And And we even played that high low which made it for some interesting pots to be played because the nut low on the top, uh, you know, you say, oh, I have the nut low, but that nut low could have been a seven low. And then two worse, much worse cards gives you a much better low on the bottom because it's a six low. And right, right. it made it interesting for the people who could not pick up and read the boards correctly. Okay. Uh, there's a new game, and this is on the Danish PokerStars client uh, the in Denmark, and it's a game called Unfold. So you can kind of figure out what that is. Meaning uh, you get your cards back if you like players, the flop? Players have the chance to play double board hold'em and to see folded cards. Uh, they can continue playing even if they've mucked, your card, mucked the cards. That's the premise. Starts out like normal hold'em, except there's a separate ante uh, into what's called the unfold pot. Uh, after the pre-flop round... Everyone who has folded has the option to unfold their hand by putting in a bet matching the size of the unfold pot. Of the total pot. Of the unfold pot. Okay. Not the total pot. The unfold pot, which is separate. Uh, Once everyone's made their decision, the rest of the hand is played out normally by the players contesting the main pot. And there's no more action between the unfolded players for the latter. It's simply a race to showdown at the end of the hand. Why would you allow somebody to do that? Uh, well, I, mean, I could see you want to bring them back in because they're joined to the nut straight, nut flush, uh, hit two pairs, you know, and they got to match the, the 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 unfolded card pot. But now if a turn card comes and it's not good for them, you you know, you punish them to make them pay to to, to see the river. Uh, the guy from PokerStars says, "No more agony watching your hand turn good on the flop 
No more waiting around for the game to get interesting, and no more long spells of being card dead. It's like poker with the benefit of hindsight. Actually, it's more than that. It's a lot of fun. That's their explanation. Well, yeah, that, and that's definitely for people who are who are not very good at poker, in my opinion, <laughs> because this is like this is almost like no fold them, hold them. You know, <laughs> that's you know, you're, the only difference is you know you get to see what three cards before you make that decision after you have folded. And so. if there's uh, one or zero players, take the unfold option, and or the main pot is one free flop. Everyone gets their antes unfold antes back. So. I don't think that's going to catch on very well much, <laughs> so, to be honest with I you. I think what it does is it gives PokerStars another chance to rake a new pot. Exactly. Well, you're trying to bring in people who really don't know the game and want to just play, f- just have some fun. That, that's all that is. That's so just get thumbs lucky. up or thumbs down? As a poker player, for me, that's thumbs down. Yeah, and, even as a, I, and even as me trying to attract a, a new clientele to poker, trying to educate people to become poker players... In the long run, I don't think this benefits them. Right. Well, uh, the one other thing I want to take a look at, and you might have always wondered, what does the World Series do for online poker in the state of Nevada? So uh, they did nearly break their single-month revenue record in the month of June. And uh, it's pretty obvious with a very popular tournament. Yep. People are still playing more and more. Uh, it was an 11-year-old record. Uh, Nevada Poker Rooms uh, raked in $17.5 million from cash games during June, up 4.8. So uh, with online uh, doing well, with the uh, big game in town, all the numbers huge uh, for Nevada, and as you might guess. Yeah, and, and that's the rake for cash games. Yeah, you know what that rake is for the, the for the for those tournaments for those main events. What is it? They take two hundred. I think it's either two or three hundred out of the ten thousand. Yeah. For the rake, okay. And what do we? What? How many was it well, this year? Eighty what? Or seventy-eight? Seventy-eight hundred. Seventy-eight. So multiply that that money there. You're talking about what? Almost fifteen million in 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 rake just yeah. from the main event. Well, just uh, the story has some interesting numbers in it. It's only the second time ever that the uh, Las Vegas market surpassed the 17 million mark for a single month. Uh, if you're curious as to how many uh, rooms and tables and stuff, there are 60 poker rooms, in, uh, according to the Nevada Gaming Control Board, 104 rooms and 960 tables back in June of 2007. Now there are 60 rooms, 683, so it has dropped off uh, a lot. But uh, those those, that's for the whole state. Tables? That's for the whole state, by the yeah, way. Yeah, well, that's you know that's tremendous m- amount of money, you know. But that's all generated because of WSOP. And of course, the shared liquidity with the other states uh, has helped a lot, and the excitement about other states picking up poker uh, this summer. So, uh, the strip itself counted for 14.1 million of the 17.5 million, uh, 18 rooms on the strip, with a combined 379 tables there. So uh, that will uh, kind of uh, give you an idea of what's going on out there. Of course, lots still to come with many other states, which we'll be looking at. Let's take our final break of the show. And when we return, I want to talk about this New York uh, underground story. And we'll get to that when we come back. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. 
This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, we'll get to this New York uh, arrest story uh, for a uh, poker room, underground poker room in uh, New York City, but uh, just update you on the uh, Choctaw event, WPT, headed for the uh, final table. Brady Holloman, the chip leader with 10 million chips. Tony Roberto has lost the lead. He's in fourth place right now, or fourth or fifth place or so, uh, with about 2 million chips. Uh, other well-known players at the final table include uh, Andrew Crookston, Viet Vo, and Anthony Zeno, still alive in that one. Anyway, we'll give you the results next week on the show. Uh, New York City. Uh, the location of this underground game was in a busy commercial district near West 11th Street and Avenue of the Americas in West Village. Familiar with that uh, area? Yeah. <laughs> I've been all through New York City. But I, I you know, used to just cross through that area to, to when I used to deliver furniture back when I was a young man. And the game really wasn't busted because of the poker, but more because there was lots of drugs present in the uh, tie-in. Well. What, what have you seen in the past? Is there a relationship between drugs and poker? Uh, growing up, absolutely. Completely looking on the out, from the outside, looking. I in, have obviously. seen it from uh, from unbelievable amounts of uh, you know people trying to hide it to the point where there was a time. I, oh my God! I remember going somewhere here to pick up somebody at a game that they had been at all night long, Dave, and what I saw there. Could have sent everybody to jail for a very long time. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> let arrest. Me not, let me not just me leave it at that. Police says they, say they seized a kilo of cocaine, uh, plus other quantities of other drugs, including marijuana and Xanax, uh, along with the poker chips and the cards. Uh, there was an undercover cop playing in the game. That's how these games get busted. Obviously, they're never going to send anybody. And guess what? The games that I know that have been busted here in South Florida. 
same thing. Some some idiot invites someone they don't know. They don't know who this person is, and if it's a you know some, a, a police officer that's playing poker, um, I'll tell you what. It's always it's been two incidences here, Dave. They've invited them because they've been playing at the at the Hard Rock or at the Seminoles back then, before the Hard Rock. Invited to a home game. Oh, let's go play some real poker because this was the quarter fifty cent days. And they gather information. They gather information on the people to make sure everything is safe. And after they got enough of that, they come in and bust your game. Or, as I know for a damn fact, the Seminoles have people who check out when somebody's talking to them, and then they'll get the cops involved in it. So. says that the oh, people who ran the game used a service called Meetup, an online service, and uh, invited people, although they were thoroughly vetted, it says, and required to show a text message from uh, the woman who was in charge of recruiting people to gain entrance to the house. Uh, the games ran from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. There were two floors of games, about 30 poker players allowed to play on on any given night. The lower floor was $200 buy-in games. The upper floor was $500 buy-ins. And those, it says, are the smallest no-limit hold'em stakes one could find in a legal and regulated Vegas room. So... Uh, you would think that there would be no no need for underground poker like that, but uh, it seems to flourish. Well, think about it. You know, in New York City, you're a two-hour ride one way or the other to Connecticut or to AC or Philadelphia to play poker. So, you know, there's no there's I don't think there's any legal poker games in the city. In the city, or, right? In the city, or in the or any of the or any of the boroughs over there, if I remember correctly. You could play slot machines at Aqueduct in Belmont. You can't play poker unless you go upstate, and that's uh, that's a three four hour ride for, yeah. for for most for most people. So, you know, you want to play poker, and you, you don't you're not driving 120 to 150 miles away in either direction to play a game. And these weren't high limits, Dave. I mean, to right. be honest with you, a one-two with a two-hundred-dollar buy-in, you know, you, we got people playing for a lot more than that in any of the casinos down yeah, here. Absolutely. You know. But I guess that's the bottom line: is the places that do have legal poker rooms uh, certainly this are not going to put up with that kind of stuff to cut into their business. Exactly. But neither. But the whole thing here was somebody was texting and trying to invite people into this thing. They invited a police officer, and I guarantee you. That unless the mayor or the police chief is in one of these little, you know, political years, uh, voting years, election years to, you know, to show, oh, look how I'm, you know, coming down on crime, on illegal poker. I don't think the police care too much about a one, two, two hundred dollar buy in, a two, five, five hundred dollar buy in poker game. This was more the drugs involved. Poker just happened to be the venue that would, through which they were probably selling drugs and providing it to the people there. Right. Well, lots of stuff going on in South Florida. Uh, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, the Big Four, comes up this weekend. Uh, the main event starts on the 10th of August, this Thursday, and uh, they will finish up uh, with a lot of stuff uh, uh, over the weekend, and the final day will be on August 14th, the final tables of the four events. The main event, $5,300, $5,250 buy-in, uh, also the high roller, $25K, an $1,100 event, and a 2650 So all that stuff coming up, and we'll give you all the results uh, of what we have next week as we head into those final tables on Tuesday the 14th. That's going to do it for us tonight. Appreciate you being with us. I'll be back in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if we can get you a replacement next week or what we'll do. We'll let people know. Hope you'll join us to check out who that is. 
and we'll have some fun, no matter who it is. There you go. Good luck at the tapes. Everybody, we'll catch you next week, another edition of Poker Action. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.